Welcome to 50 Not Dead. I'm your host, Cameron Hubian. In this podcast, we make the invisible dramatically visible by exploring the biases, freedoms, challenges, and the power that come from being female and 50. Watch out, world. We're not dead yet. Hi, welcome. This is my very first podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I'm Cameron, and I bet you're wondering, why 50 not dead? I mean, really, like, what are we doing here? Let me give you a little bit of background about me. So I grew up in a small town, uh, Marysville, Washington. When I was there, there was about 7,000 people. A lot more now for any of you commuters that are living there and going into Seattle every day to work at Microsoft or Starbucks. Anyway, I started out there. I also spent a lot of time on Orcas Island because my parents were divorced and I went back and forth. So I went from small town to tiny town. And I was always a very, very driven young person. I wanted, from a very early age, I knew that I wanted to not leave my town because I didn't like it, but I really wanted to make a big impact on a really big scale. And this led me to be a hyperachiever in many ways. I needed straight A's. I needed to be a cheerleader, to be the class president, to be in student government all four years, actually, get into a good college. The issue with that was that I set this internal bar for myself that was impossible to meet. It w- I was never enough. It didn't matter what I achieved. It really, really never felt like enough. And that led to some really, uh, a period of really self-destructive behavior. This was the kind of behavior that needed a lot of support. Support from family, support from AA, support from an eating disorder unit. I spent a couple of stints in hospital stay and a lot of therapy. Eventually, though, I was able to come through it, come out the other side, and I started a very successful career, a career I didn't expect to have, actually. I had been driven forever. I thought I was going to go into marketing and advertising. Instead, I went into product costing, figuring out how much a tennis shoe cost from the lace the eyelet, all those little things. And what my husband loves about this is that I really suck at math. <laughs> and But it was the relationship skills and my understanding of people care about money. And it was my relationship skills that made me different than other negotiators. I did it differently than most of the men. And I was really, really good at it. In fact, It was at that time that a recruiter contacted me and told me he had heard I was the best in the industry at what I was doing. It felt great. I was recruited by a company that I had dreamt of working for. And I went on to work for other companies too that you would know about. When I was at one of these future companies, I experienced something that many people unfortunately experience. I was working really hard. I had a team that loved me. I had great relationships 
with most of the people. But I was the target of psychological manipulation. And it nearly killed me. It was nothing that I'd ever experienced. It was being the target of somebody that hates you, who goes out of their way to tear you down, who when you walk by them in the hall, you know that they could care less if you drop dead. It was terrible. It made me start to question my self-worth, my value. And this wasn't just a peer. This was a the senior leader. I was constantly put on guard. I was constantly quizzed in front of other people. And of course, because of that pressure, I would constantly not know the answer. And then I started to think, am I crazy? Do I have anything to offer? Are they right? Do I, I mean, do I suck? Like, I, I feel like I'm still doing a really good job, but it was never enough. And I watched my self-esteem get completely shredded. And I'd seen it happen at that same place other times. And I'd sworn to myself, oh God, if that happens to me, I am so out of here. But I didn't understand psychological manipulation. When you're the one on the receiving end, there is this drive to prove I'm good enough. I can do this, which fell right into my, you know, played into my persona, my whole makeup. I'll prove it. And the harder I tried, the worse it got. And not only did it get worse at work, but it got worse at home because I could not be the parent I need to be. I couldn't be there for my daughter I didn't see how much she was struggling and how much she needed me, even when my best friend pulled me aside and said, Cameron, Lily needs you. And I said, yeah, I know, but I'm flying tomorrow. I'll be gone for two weeks. And then she and her husband invited me over for dinner. And again, they both said, do you need to keep this job? And it felt like I did because I I was used to being an equal contributor. And they're like, your daughter really needs you. And I couldn't hear it because I was so consumed by this crazy making that I had gotten myself into by not leaving, by not understanding it and not leaving. That when I finally left, it wasn't my decision, it was my husband's. He told me, he said, Cameron, you have to pick a day and it has to be your last because we don't recognize you anymore. So I chose a day. And it was my last. And I cried the night before. And my husband was like, why are you crying? You're getting out of this. And I said, because I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to have to leave. I wanted to be able to make it right. I wanted to prove that I was good enough. It went right back to those things that had been ingrained in me since I was a little girl. Prove that I was enough. And here it felt like I was giving up. But I had to, to save my life. After my last day was when I started to have panic attacks. I'd never had them before. 
I'd had anxiety at times. I'd had depression for sure. I'd never had panic attacks. And for those of you that don't know the difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack, panic attack is physical. I would feel like I was going to shatter into a million pieces. It was incredibly terrifying. I would want to just curl in a ball. I didn't feel like I could take care of myself or my daughter. And I sought help. I worked with a therapist. I worked with a psychiatrist. And they weren't in the same practice. And after a few months of my really falling apart and staring out the window, not knowing what to do, but continuing to go to my therapy sessions and my psychiatry sessions. Within the span of two weeks, these two medical professionals that we're not in the same practice recommended that I check myself in to the local mental health facility. The mental health facility that in our area is notorious in its reputation. People go there when they're quote unquote nuts. I couldn't believe that was going to be me. It was so good that I went. It was in there and that having those two people, the outside experts see that I was in such distress was I maybe the validation and the permission I needed to really take stock and be like, things must change. This is not okay. This striving for approval is not okay. This working in environments that I don't like is not okay. This not being the parent or the wife that I want to be and not being there is not okay. So I went and when I got out, I decided to really think about what I wanted to do next. What was I here for? I had thought for a long time based on my international leadership experience and the, th the fact that I had lived all over the globe and worked in multifaceted, cross-functional organizations, I'd seen so many types of leadership, of communication, of what motivated people, what demotivated people. I had an intense interest in executive coaching, and I decided to chase that. I signed up for a program at Brown University and from the moment I started, I loved it. Everything about it. I love the neuroscience. I love the research. I love knowing about neuroplasticity and the fact that we can continue to change, thank freaking God, forever until our 90s, that we can continue to learn and develop. I love this work. And you can see it in me. You can see I am physically a different person. I'm happier. I laugh more. I have flexibility in my schedule. My daughter isn't the last one picked up from school anymore. Before, instead of going to school and then aftercare and then me screeching in on two wheels to pick her up at 5.30, now at every day, I don't take clients at 2.30 to 3.30 because that's my time to go pick up my daughter from school and either walk her home or drive her home and have a few minutes together. In my love of this work, I have enjoyed success quite quickly. I have had lots of opportunity. I feel like I'm at the beginning of a very long road, like a long, happy road. I feel like my earning potential and my potential for impact is greater now 
than it has ever been and ever was in my 20 years in corporate America. The funny thing about that, though, is that I have a very important birthday coming up. This is the birthday that I'm now hearing is the time when women enter the period where they become invisible. And I started hearing stories of women in their 50s saying that they had no idea what they were going to do next. They had no idea what they were doing. If they'd been laid off because we had this pandemic, they were afraid they'd never be hired again, that they'd never have a chance to meet their full potential. And that was so different from the story that I have to tell. I wanted desperately to reach out to women, to have conversation, to give them hope, to hopefully lead by example and by humor and by grit and by collaboration to help each other change that narrative because it's not going to be my story. I'm 50, but I am not dead. In this podcast, it is my privilege to talk to some amazing women. You're going to hear so many stories, stories that will inspire you, stories that will horrify you, stories that will make you want to take action, action for yourself, action for your daughters, action for women above you and below you. I hope that you are inspired to take these conversations into the workforce, to change the narrative everywhere. We're 50. We're not dead yet. If you'd like to share your story or your ideas on how to move this discussion forward, I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact me at Cameron at CameronHuban.com or visit my website, www.CameronHuban.com.